All right. Get that first. Thank you. I'm sure that you've uh, heard this many times, that uh, sometimes in the Bible, you know, the chapter divisions aren't, you know, as they could, it should be, you know. Sometimes the verses, uh, you know, aren't exactly numbered as the story flows. And sometimes the little subheadings, you know, like the one that's on chap- uh, to start of chapter 20, the parable of the workers in the vineyard. It could, it could be, be They could be better. They really could. Because I don't think that, um, even though it does talk about a vineyard and the workers, I don't think that's a great title. And hopefully I'll give you a new title at the end and you'll agree that that's probably a better title. We've been doing the parables now for quite a few months. So what have you learnt about the parables so far? What do you think? What have we learnt? Anything? They're hard to understand, some of them, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I know Josh got the two easy ones to do. I got the, you're right, I got the two hard ones. They are difficult to understand. You know, even the disciples, you know, who, who are with the Lord, he had to actually take them aside a couple of times and actually go through them with them and explain to them exactly what it means. And he actually, actually even said that sometimes the parables are hard to understand because we're not willing to listen to them and take them in. But here's a couple more facts about parables just to add to the things you already know. There are 43 parables. That hasn't been mentioned yet. 43 parables in the, in the New Testament spoken uh, by the Lord Jesus. So could I have that next slide, please, Andrew? Because I'm not really good with this. Yeah, try it again. Yeah, it's, it never works. Oh, there we go. All right. I'll do it again one more time. All right. Yep, thank you. 43 parables. And 13 of them... There we go. 13 of them speak about a topic called the kingdom of heaven. That's 30% of the parables talk about one particular subject. That's very, very significant. And, and of those 13, five of them, the Lord uses the agricultural setting, you know, farming, vineyards, etc., to illustrate the message. Four other times he uses the financial setting, you know, money and taxes and things like that. Two are related to types of feasts, wedding feasts, etc. There's also a fishing story there. You know, always have to have a fishing story, don't you? And then there's one on cookery ladies, okay? They're all about yeast. So, so he uses all different things, different uh, topics to illustrate very important spiritual truths. And most of the, most of the um, kingdom of heaven parables are found in the gospel of Matthew. Now that's not a coincidence. You see, the, the Gospel of Matthew is, is directed to, uh, primarily to a Jewish audience when it was first written. And they had a particular interest in the kingdom of heaven. 
So, parables, we've heard this before, are stories, a storytelling device. It's, it's a story that runs parallel, yeah, yeah, P-A-R, parallel to a thought or, or a teaching or an important message that God has, a spiritual message. It illustrates a focal point, a topic, an aspect. And here's a key thing I want you to pay attention to this morning and note it when you read the parables from time to time in your private reading that not everything, got it? Not everything that's in the parable is relative to the actual teaching point, all right? Not everything that's in the parable is related to something spiritual, because often, throughout our, our uh, history in Christendom, we have tried to spiritualise everything that's in the parable. And boy, do we get into strife doing that. We, we, we get wrong teaching. We get misinformation. Because it's not meant to be like that. A parable is to highlight a particular type of teaching. It's just a vehicle to illustrate Something important. For example, the parable we've just read. Verse 1. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. That's what the focal point is in this parable. Not the vineyard. Not the payment. Not the workers even. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner. The landowner is the focal point. So the topic here in this parable is the kingdom of heaven in relationship to the owner. The owner of the vineyard and the owner of the kingdom of heaven. That's what the Lord's trying to illustrate here. Now the kingdom of heaven is another topic that's hard to understand mentioned a lot in the New Testament. Sometimes it's referred to by another name like the kingdom of God. It's the same thing. Kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God is the same thing. So what does it mean? What does it mean? When you read in the scriptures about the kingdom of heaven, you have to look at the context that it's referred to because it could have three broad meanings. The first one, could it could mean where God rules sovereignly over the whole of the universe. That's true. talks about that in Psalm 103. Sometimes it narrows down a little bit and it talks about God as a spiritual rule over hearts and lives. You get a lot of that in the New Testament. That's also true as well. And then even narrower, when the Jews think about and hear about and, and, and talk about the kingdom of heaven, they are talking about a literal rule of Christ on the earth for a thousand years. So, boy, you're going on a bit, Raph. I'm going on because I hope you realise that the context and the focal point in parables is critical, brothers and sisters. Otherwise, we're going to get mixed up We're going to be as confused as the disciples were sometimes when they were listening to these parables and we'll get the wrong message. I don't want that to happen this morning. 
Now, this is a, this is, this is not a parable just stuck in chapter 20. Again, like I said, we really shouldn't have that chapter 20 there because this parable comes at the end of a long discourse, a long discussion that Jesus had with a rich young ruler and his disciples. It starts way back in chapter 19. And this is the end of, of, of the discussion. So, need to just quickly have a quick look at what it's all about. You see, because Jesus in this parable is actually responding to a question. He was asked a question and he gave the answer in a parable. So what was the question? Well, in Matthew chapter 19, if you've got your Bible there, have a look at verse 27. The apostle Peter asked the question. He asked, we have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Now, he asked that question because they were listening intently to a discussion that Jesus had with, with a young ruler. And he had a question for Jesus. He had the question, um, what, what must I do to, in, uh, to inherit eternal life? That's at the start of chapter 19. That's where it all starts. The Lord answered that question to the rich young ruler. And you know what? The apostles, when they heard the answer, they were concerned because Jesus said that the rich young ruler wouldn't get into the kingdom of heaven because of his wealth. I know this is a long intro, I know. But it's really interesting when you look at how the Lord answered the question. He says in verse 30, this is the answer, right? Peter asked the question, uh, what, we have left everything to follow you, what then will, I, uh, will, be, will there be for us? Jesus answers in verse, verse 30 of chapter 19, but many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. What? 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 Did you get that? Well, I didn't get it either. That was the answer. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Have you heard that before? Yeah, Sion just read, read it to us, didn't she? Sion, sorry, read it to us. You see, that little verse at the end of the parable, isn't it? Because the parable is the answer to the question. It's confusing, isn't it? The context is really, really important. It's vital. The Lord is dealing here with, 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 with a misconception that the Jewish nation had of privilege and favour in the kingdom of heaven. You see, they believed, the Jews believed and were incorrectly taught by the religious leaders that material wealth demonstrated God's favour. Now, brothers and sisters, that's still happening in, in Christian churches today. There are Christian churches today preaching the same thing. That's wrong. Jesus says it's wrong. The rich young man, although he had wealth, the Lord clearly said that he, he had no part in the kingdom. And you know what? The rich young ruler knew that as well. 
He had tons of money and position. But he knew there was something missing. He knew. Hence, his question to the Lord Jesus. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He knew the teaching was wrong because he knew he didn't have eternal life. The Lord said that his riches wasn't uh, keeping him from, from heaven. It was his desire to, to rely on his own merit, his own position, his own wealth to gain entry into the kingdom of heaven. You see, the Jewish theology at the time was as follows. Jews were God's chosen people. Special Jews were religiously pious. In other words, they followed all the religious rules and instructions. Blessed Jews were religious rulers who were rich as well, had lots of wealth. And therefore, they thought merit earned them an entry into the kingdom of heaven. This is what the Lord was going to address with the answer that he gives in this parable. He was going to address um, who it is that gets into the kingdom of heaven. So we have this parable. So the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner of a vineyard. Heaven is nothing like a vineyard, brothers and sisters. Could I have the next slide, please, Andrew? Nothing like a vineyard. Nothing at all. Because it's not about the vineyard here. It's about the landowner. But, have, but the vineyard had an owner, did it? didn't it? It had an owner. Somebody owned the vineyard. Somebody owns heaven. It's God, obviously. That's the parallel. The owner of the vineyard is entitled, isn't he? He's entitled, has the right to do as he pleases in his vineyard. He has the right to hire workers. He has the right to pay them uh, an agreed price. He had rights as the owner. And so he sets out to hire labourers. So what's the parallel there? Well, you see, God, as the owner of, of his kingdom, had the right to to hire or to go and choose people that would work in his kingdom. And that was the Jewish nation. God chose the Jewish nation to do God's work in his kingdom. Very privileged position. Absolutely special, you might even say. And God, through this this nation, this nation of the Jewish people, was going to bless other nations. We read about that in Genesis 12 and, and Genesis chapter 22. We also read here that there was a contract, wasn't there? These, these workers would get something for doing this. There was, there was a promise of payment. There was a covenant, a promise between the owner and the workers, between the labourers and the owner. The Jewish religious leaders wrongly taught, they wrongly taught because they were chosen by God that they were special. They weren't. They were sinners, just like you and me. 
They were rebels against God, just like mankind is everywhere. They were disobedient to God. Sometimes they were downright evil. And they were actually chastened by God, punished by God. They were chosen by God to do something. That's what made them special. It was what they were chosen to do, to make God known to the world. That's why they were special. It was through them that God was going to bless the world. And so here in this parable, we have the start of the character of the landover. We see, we see the, the landowner in his, in his vineyard doing what he would like to do. So we have, we have him agreeing to pay a, a contract price. You read that in verse 2. And then when he hires a few other people later on, they trust him to do what is right. We read that in verse 4. And then in verse 7, when there's only one hour of the working day left, there's not even a mention of what those people would get paid. They just went and worked for an hour. Could I have the next slide, please, Andrew? But then we come to the payment time. That's really interesting, isn't it? The payment time. They all received the same amount of money, the same payment. The blokes, I'm assuming they were all blokes, I think they were, who started at six in the morning, when this working day started, were paid exactly the same amount as the people that started at 5pm with only one hour's left of work in the day. Exactly the same. Why? Why did they receive the same payment? Was it unfair? Was it unfair? Now, to you and me, we would say, absolutely. Yes, it's unfair. How could it possibly be fair? One, one group of people work for 12 hours and get a denarius and, and then another group work for six hours. One's got hired at lunchtime. They get a denarius and then the people that, that were employed at five in the afternoon and work for one hour, they get a denarius. Actually, in verse 11, when the people that started at 6 saw what was going on, they said, hey, I think we're going to get more. If they're getting an anaris, we're going to get more. They expected more. And we would say, fair enough, because that's how we think. That's how we think. In verse 12, in verse 12, it's very interesting what is said there. Can I have the next slide, please, Andrew? And the next one, the next bit. Yeah, thank you. This is a very interesting thing that was, that was uh, said about the landowner. They were expecting a greater payment. And they're saying to the landowner, you know, 
you're treating them just like equal to us. Like there's no difference between our labour and their labour. You see, the blessing of God doesn't, re, uh, doesn't matter, doesn't require you to be privileged, doesn't require you to be educated, doesn't require you to have a special skin colour, doesn't require you to be wealthy. For, for as long as God has existed, he treats all of mankind equally. It's not a new concept that we would thought about equality. God has always thought that mankind was valuable and equal. And he had no, 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 no um, qualms about gender because males and females were equal. He treated them all the same. I love that about the scriptures. I really do. And so, and so here it suddenly dawns on these people, hey, the landowners treating us all equal. Why? Why? Why was that so? To you and me, it would be, un- it seems unfair. Somebody worth more than the others. But the landowner, he, he says in verse 13, he says, do you think I've treated you unfairly? Is that what you think? At the start of the day when I came out and, 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 and asked for workers and, and you said yes and we, we agreed and you wanted a denarius and we agreed I would pay you a denarius for working for the day in my vineyard. And they're going, yeah. And here it is, end of the day, you have been paid what we agreed. Is that right? Yeah. How is that unfair? How is that unfair? I promised to pay you. I did pay you. I promised to pay you what we agreed. And that, that's come about. So how could that be unfair? You see, God, the parallel in the, in the, in the, 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 the parallel is that God will always deal fairly. And I love that about God too. He'll always deal fairly. Have you ever thought to yourself, Lord, this is not fair? Circumstances in your life, situations at work, relationships. Have you ever thought to yourself, Lord, this is not fair. I'm sure you have. But God always deals fairly, always. Verse 14 is a very interesting thing. Can I have the next little bit? Thanks, Andrew. Verse 14, he says, he's going to explain now why he doesn't think it's unfair. He says, I want to give. I want to give. The landowner says to the workers, I want to give. Uh, I want to give them the same. Uh, where is verse 14? 
Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. You see, here we have the generosity of the landowner. You see, what was going on there is that these were just day workers. They worked for a day, for a day's pay, so they could take the money, buy food, feed the family, more or less. That's, that's the basic, isn't it? Basic living here. What do you think the landowner was thinking when he was looking at these workers? How much do you earn a day? Divide it by 12. Could you buy, could you feed your family on that? On a twelfth of a day's wages? Could you? Maybe some of us are earning really a lot of money and maybe you could. But these were just ordinary labourers. They were labourers. The lowest paid workers. One twelfth of a day's pay. It's all the man could take home. But what we don't, we don't see that. That would have been fair, wouldn't it? That would have been fair. You worked for an hour, I give you an hour's pay. That's fair. It's not generous. So maybe the landowner was unfair because he was generous. It reminds me, I want to give, that little verse, when I read that, it reminded me of another verse. You know which one it is, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. You see, God's desire, his character is one of giving, wanting to bless. That's what he wants to do. He can't always do it, though. He can't always do it. God will always give to anyone and all who put their faith and their trust in his righteous character. Now, the parallel, again, of those last work, that last group of workers that were hired at the at the 11th hour, it says in my Bible, it's 5 o'clock that was read, read at, they had one hour to go. The parallel there is what? Jesus, uh, God wanted to provide for those people just like he provided for the people that started at six, a day's wages. Now, it's his righteous character. They put their trust and faith that the landowner would 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 do the right thing. No, that was the group before, wasn't it? The ones if you if you look carefully, the ones that were hired last, they weren't there was no discussion of how much they were going to get paid. Oh we'll just see what we get. That's faith. That's trust. And so this is what Jesus was trying to show to people. The landowner of the vineyard was someone who who was generous, who would do the right thing, it says that in in the parable, and could be trusted and was generous. So why does God behave the way he does? 
because that's who the landowner is picturing here. It's not picturing the typical landowner. He's, it's a, he's a special landowner, isn't he? So why does God behave the way he does? Well, Isaiah chapter 55 makes it really clear. This is one of my favourite verses. It says, his way, that's God's ways, are not like our ways. Praise him for that. Worship him for that. Here's an interesting verse. Because sometimes, even now, we still think to ourselves, you know, God, God's not fair. Why is he allowing the wars, the sickness, the injustice, the evil, the crime, the violence? Why is he, why is that happening? You see, verse 15, can I have that next one, please? Verse 15, here is an interesting thing the landowner says. Do I not have the right? Do I not have the right? I'm the landowner. My money. Don't I have the right to give everyone the same amount? Now, we're not talking about socialism here. It's just generosity. Don't I have the right? God's kingdom, God's rules. Can I have the next slide, please, Andrew? Oh, that's not it. Sorry. No. Okay. Oh, it is. Sorry. That's it. Sorry. Okay. I love having my grandkids over, sleeping over. The big sleepover, we call it. Paul and I need three days rest after it. But, you know, when they're all together, you know, after an hour or two, things get pretty hectic, pretty chaotic. And, you know, there's a bit of... Fighting's not the right word, but, you know, a bit of aggro. And and they're going on about, oh, you know, mum's, mum, mum says I can... Do, and we do this and that. Whoa, 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 whoa. I stand up and I say, whoa. Nonal's house, Nonal's rules. And order is restored. <laughs> it is. It works. God's house. God's rules. Always has been like that. We don't always like that. The little kids, my grandkids don't always like that rule. But let me tell you, it's a good rule. Why is it a good rule? Because it blesses them. You know? It's for their own good, isn't it? They may not like all the rules that normal has. But I love them. I want the best for them. I want to bless them. God's house. God's rules. Same reason. God loves us. Wants to bless us. Wants the best for us. And if we follow the rules, everything's good. And if we don't, well, there's no popcorn or there's no ice cream, or something. There's a consequence in my in Nonal's house, and there's a consequence in God's house too, for disobedience. God cannot bless. I told you before, didn't I? God's desire is to bless, but he can't always bless. When there's disobedience, when there's sin, when there's rebellion, he cannot bless. Now, I'm of a firm opinion that in the New Testament, God does not actively punish sin that's my opinion 
But here's another one of my opinions. I really, truly believe that God cannot bless me if I sin. He, he, he can't. He can't be gracious to me if, if I'm, if I'm in, in, a, in a disrupted relationship with, even though I'm his. Even though I have the Holy Spirit in me, he cannot bless me. And this is what, this is what this parable is teaching. You see, God's rules sometimes seem unfair. Because we don't understand. We can't see what's up ahead. We don't know the ultimate outcome. But the, the, last, the last part of verse 15 is very interesting too. He says, do not I have the right to do what I want with my money or are you envious because I'm generous? Is it sometimes that we don't want to obey God because we, we, we're wanting to do our own thing? We're, we're wanting to, to do what we, we want to do? Or when we're mad at God because he's, he seems to be blessing others instead of me. Could be all, any of those things. Self-interest is one of the main things that causes disruption between the Christian and God's blessing. Self-interest. That's what it is. That little line down the bottom there, God is good all the time. And then it says, and all the time, God is good. I heard that first up at Belgrave many years ago. The person from the front said, God is good. And there was a response. What? Yeah. And then he says, and all the time, God is good. That's actually uh, part of a song which we're going to sing at the end of the sermon. All of those who accepted the landowner's invitation received the blessing the landowner intended to give them a day's wages. And the people that were blessed, the workers that were blessed, were not all the workers that were in the village, only the workers that worked in that vineyard. There's a strong possibility, you know, that, that when he went out that, 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 that last hour of the day, and saw that there were people still, you know, milling around the village looking for work and could have been employed. There's a strong possibility that, that some of those, that there were people there that didn't take up the offer that the landowner gave at five o'clock. Strong possibility. How would you have felt? How, what would your reaction be being at five o'clock, one hour to go, the land, this person, anyone want to work in my vineyard? You think, oh, what's the point? What's the point? It's only an hour's work, a twelfth of the day's wages. What's the point? Well, the point was you missed out on the landlord's blessing, the landowner's blessing. God wants to bless. God is generous. That's what this parable is about, the generosity of the landowner. That's why I don't think that's the title of the chapter 20 is right. A parable of generosity is what it should be. Where are you this morning? Where are you? First of all, I've got to ask you, are you part? 
of the kingdom of God, of the kingdom of heaven? Do you have a relationship with the owner of that kingdom? What is your relationship? I want, I want to finish on this note. God is generous. God is good. God is gracious. But there are conditions. There are conditions. Not everybody got a denarius. Only those who worked in that owner's vineyard. All right? Only those. You want to be blessed by God? You want to inherit the kingdom of God, the blessings of God, the grace of God? Then you need to have an active relationship with God because he is a good God. He's a gracious God. He's a God who wants to bless. Mm. Can we have that, um, that song, please, Andrew? Thank you.